Hey everybody, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and this is episode number 139, March 2021. Our guests this month are Shell Davis, a playwright, librettist, and lawyer. Yvette Heiliger, a playwright, producing artist, activist, and educator. And we welcome back Lucy Wong, playwright, comedian, educator, and activist. All three of these artists are members of the Honor Roll, an advocacy and action group of women plus playwrights, allies of course, over all of whom are over 40, and whose goal is the inclusion of women and female identifying artists over the age of 40 in theater. Many of our podcasts have been relevant to inclusion, and it's no wonder. There are many voices out there who have been marginalized and dismissed for far too long. And if you have your finger on the pulse of theater these days, you know we are starting, and I say starting, to hear from more voices that have been previously ignored. We are the generation excluded at the outset of our careers because of sexism, now overlooked because of ageism. We celebrate diversity in theater and work to call attention to the negative impact of age discrimination alongside gender, race, ethnicity, faith, socioeconomic status, disability, and sexual orientation in the American theater and beyond. The idea is that when back when uh, the move back when we were in our 20s, we were dismissed and overlooked because we, we were these girl playwrights. Many of us were. There were some who were fortunate enough to go to the right playwriting programs mm -hmm. and get in the right pipelines. But a lot of us just weren't. And then we moved on with our lives. And now that the industry seems more open generally to women, now they're saying, well, if these women are farther along by now, then odds are they aren't any good. So why should we pay attention to them anyway? And so that's one of the reasons we think that honor roll is necessary to draw attention to us and to people that there are, there's a whole forest. There is a great number of able and talented women playwrights over 40 who just haven't gotten the recognition they deserve. This is Lucy here. I want to add on to what Cheryl and Yvette said. I am one of the founding members. The honor roll kind of started from a rant. Brooke Berman on June 5th, 2018, put this rant about exactly what Cheryl is saying, that a lot of us have been dismissed or pushed over. We didn't get the opportunities and now we're considered over the hill. And so after her rant, Teresa Rebeck invited people to her home in Brooklyn in like end of June uh, 2018. And in June, on the same day as Brooke Berman's rant, uh, Jackie Reingold and I are the founding members of Honor Roll Facebook page. And we decided to get people, because Facebook, love it or hate it, it was a great place to organize people. And then we had our very first meeting, July 24th, 2019, at Susan Miller's house. She graciously offered her home and opened it. And Yvette came. Cheryl, I don't know. I don't know. Remember if you were there. I don't know. And um, so it was, we, we filled her living room to capacity. We actually had to tell people, I'm sorry, RSVPs are closed. I flew in from Los Angeles. There was someone else who flew in from San Francisco. Wow. People came in. I mean, this was a big deal that we were going to, uh, you know, come to out with actions at the meeting. So we've been meeting like quarterly ever since. And of course, now on Zoom, our next meeting, in case anyone is listening and wants to join by Zoom, is February 23rd, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And um, now we have over like 1,100 members on Facebook. We also have members on the Google group for people who don't want to be on Facebook and we're on Twitter. But anyways, it's, 
you know, we're, we're a growing force and you realize how many women playwrights over 40 there are. That's incredible. incredible. 1,100? Yes, mm -hmm. on the, yeah. That's amazing. They're, they're not just uh, women playwrights, there oh. are allies as well. So mm -hmm. there are directors and dramaturgs. Yeah. So okay. it's women playwrights and- And their allies. And their allies, that's great. Male and female or cross-gender? Uh, just female. Just female. Female identifying. Yes. Sounds good to me. Okay. Um, so were you surprised at how quickly the roles expanded? It, it's the, the list of members. Because that's, I mean, 1,100 in what, two years? Yeah. Yeah, probably a little less. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's it, just, it just speaks to the need. Mm -hmm. It really yeah. It speaks to the need and the awareness that's been raised. Mm -hmm. You know, in New York City, um, the Broadway League said that 60% of ticket buyers on Broadway are women. So the right. women are dragging their husbands and their mm -hmm. kids to the theater. Mm -hmm. Not dragging, hopefully they're joyful about it. But, <laughs> but anyway, we the women make up the uh, largest percentage of ticket buyers to the right. theater. And so you would think that there would be more demand by uh, women theater patrons for plays by women, mm -hmm. but it really never clicked, I don't think. So this indication that uh, our numbers have grown exponentially just speaks to the awareness that's grown. Yeah, no, I was, I was aware of that. Um, it was mostly women who made the purchases and decided to you know, take the family or go by themselves or just to attend theater. And I understand your, your line of reasoning that, you know, representation should have been better, but they were on the buying end. They were not on the planning end, which was pretty mm -hmm. much, you know, uh, my demographic, which is all white guys. Mm -hmm. And, and I, oh, I was going to say that I think and hope that as more women produce, theater that they will be more aware and open to women's voices both uh on both not just on stage but backstage in terms of having women writers having women directors having women set designers etc i mean mm -hmm. that's my hope and my understanding that there are more women producers out there but george also to your point you know mm -hmm. money talks yeah absolutely you know, yes. so yeah. If, if women if women were if women ticket buyers really had the um, the will to either boycott plays that are not by women, you know, or mm -hmm. theaters that mm -hmm. don't have seasons that include women, that would really um, speak volumes. You know, there's power in the pocketbook. Oh, it's the ultimate power. It's just the yeah. organization that's needed to manipulate. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so go for it. Oh. As I say, and there was a time, I think it, I forget, I don't want to uh, mischaracterize any particular off-Broadway company, but it was, just, it was a subscription house. Mm -hmm. And there was a fuss made about, there are absolutely no women playwrights in a particular season. And they, right. that was made known. So when they called and said, hi, Ms. Davis, would you like to renew your subscription? And I said, well, actually, I understand that you have literally no women playwrights in your season. Like, oh, oh, well, well we're looking into that. And, we, <laughs> <laughs> and we, we, we will do something about yeah. that. So we're going to see if there's any I'm out there. I'm not the first one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's tragic. And like, 
in, in 2020, Scott Heller, the New York Times, wrote mm -hmm. an article about the best of Broadway 2020. Mm -hmm. He included no women. So this is how mm -hmm. honorable as a force, you know, let Scott Heller know that that's unacceptable in 2020. It's unacceptable before then too, but now we had yeah. some organizational skills. So many of us wrote letters to the yeah. Times or uh, uh, tweeted to the Times, like this is unacceptable. Are you kidding me? Best theater of 2020, there's not one woman. And so mm -hmm. they recanted and adjusted and added Larissa Fast Horse. You know, so, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, it was. Well, even, even the established women playwrights are having, you know, the very famous ones like Paula Bogle. Mm -hmm. are having a hugely hard time getting to Broadway and even then staying on Broadway. And it's not like Broadway is the be-all and end-all of American theater. I mean, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway and the regionals are where most of the action generally happens. You know, and those are, those are the spots, I think, that are, are the ones eminently reachable, at least in the beginning. You know, I, I mean, get, getting to Broadway is one thing. That's terrific. Mazel tov. That's great for all of you. But everybody's getting, you know, going up the ladder is usually the way it happens. Yeah. But also, George, you have to look at what what level productions mm -hmm. uh, women are, aren't getting even in the regional houses. Are we getting the main stage or are we getting uh, the studio development space? Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, there are a lot of differences when it comes to that. And pushing forward and keeping your voices going and doing your activism and getting the word out seems to be the best plan for making this happen. Um, what kind of actions? Well, first of all, it's uh, take me back to the name. Who came up with the name and why honor roll? Oh boy, that was a tough one. I think, <laughs> really? I think honor, I think honor roll, we, we had a survey, we had voting, we went mm -hmm. back and forth. Um, and we have a new logo that's coming out. Oh, yes. soon. Very, very exciting. Dimitri Papani <laughs> that we hope to um, release. I think honor roll was, you know, when you make the honor roll, uh, the definition is that you've achieved a certain amount of success and you are worthy. So, it isn't like women over 40 who are untalented. It's women over 40 with a lot of talent that is going unnoticed or unseen, unproduced. So that um, it was a democratic vote. <laughs> and we, you know, we looked at things that um, weren't already taken as well. Maybe Cheryl and Yvette have. Uh, I think it was Brooke Berman who came up with the name honor roll. Right. And I and then we all voted on it and we, we did vote. We said, Yay, that's it. You know. Yes. But we also tried. We were like, should we change oh, yeah. it? We needed we, to keep it short, recognizable mm -hmm. and something that kind of spoke to our achievements. Yeah, I think it was a working title that then we we had other options, uh, as Lucy said. And then we said, you know what? The working title is really the best title. <laughs> That happens frequently. I know I've been through several uh, groups myself, and the worst problem we've had was, what are we going to call ourselves? Mm -hmm. yes. And most of the time, we misjudge that one completely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so how has being a member of the honor roll helped each of you in, in your profession? Vocation profession which it's, it's both really because this is mm -hmm. what we are this is what we do we're playwrights mm -hmm. 
So it's what we love, and ideally, we we make some money at it. Uh, <laughs> money, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Money, what's that? They get I know, money I'm for so money for my check, Cheryl. <laughs> I know. I said ideally. I said ideally. <laughs> That's a, the, the so kind of like it. We straddle vocation professional <laughs> line. Well, um, maybe Bert wants to share some of the opportunities we've created. Yeah. Sure. I yeah, think, that'd be great. I think what it's done is like, we know we're not alone. So it's easier to approach somebody and ask them about projects. And Yvette can tell you about some of our projects. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've had, um, uh, we have two books coming out uh, um, published by Applause. Uh, she Persisted, it's a, a, one book is of scenes, one book is of monologues. Um, we have uh, recently started the Honor Roll Profiles Project, which is a blog of all of the uh, Honor Roll playwrights and members who would like to participate. And it's an easy resource to go there and find playwrights, directors, producers mm -hmm. who are members of Honor Roll. That's pretty new. Of course, we like to have fun. So we recently had a Zoom happy hour, which was a huge success. And out of that, Zoom happy hour came the idea to have a publishing panel, which we're going to have in March. And five of the members will be participating, uh, including myself in the publishing panel. Um, we had a, an event called um, Say Their Names, Plays mm -hmm. by uh, mm -hmm. BIPOC. I know people are, some people push back on that, but it's Black, Indigenous, women of color, <clears throat> artists, who are members of Honor Roll writing about Black Indigenous women of color who have been murdered uh, by the police. And that initiative mm. came out of the whole George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, um, yeah. uh, as a result mm -hmm. of, of that. So we do a lot of activism uh, uh, in response to things that are happening in the country. Uh, we've had um, the nuts and bolts of online performances. We've had uh, opportunities for BIPOC writers and TV webinars. Cheryl was involved in that. Um, we have had uh, director panels with uh, women directors. And that was very interesting because um, I think we changed some minds of those women directors and looking at women over 40 looking mm -hmm. at our plays as uh, possibilities to direct, because a lot of opportunities in the American theater do get introduced by directors, you yeah. know, who are looking for projects. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had two writing, uh, TV writing webinars. Um, oh, uh, we had uh, Immigrant Stories, a performance at New York Poets Cafe, where many <laughs> members um, told stories of immigration and immigrating here to the United States. Oh my goodness, there's there's been a lot. We've it's, had several articles published. Um, um, I wrote an article called Honor Roll, We Got This, in the Drama to Skills yeah, blog. I saw that. Um, yeah. We have uh, Don't Call Us, We'll Call You, unless you're a woman over 40, <laughs> which is also a blog article. Um, female writers fight sage. Oh, this is interesting. Female writers fight sageism mm. with honor roll. Okay. And then a talkback podcast, access at any age. 
And then, of course, there are individual um, activist initiatives, you know, like Lucy mentioned, writing to the New York Times. And mm -hmm. so a lot of things like that happen. So we're, we're busy. Yeah, we keep busy. Yeah. We're a very busy group. That's incredible. I mean, the, the amount of work that's gone in and the things that you've put forward and accomplished, again, for so short a time of an yeah. organization, because... You know, sometimes it just takes people six months to, you know, get to know right. each other's names and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It seems like y'all hit the ground running at top yeah, speed. I, I think because it was overdue, like I think Sarah, yes. Tuff got, Sarah Tuff got a couple institutions to drop the age question on their applications. Mm -hmm. asked them why was this necessary? And um, so that was great. Uh, people have been going to their connections like uh, Susan Cinnamon asked uh, Next Stage Press to publish more honor roll mm -hmm. women. So Jean Cato is doing that. I mean, we're really happy. And I think each of these successes help motivate people to say, well, maybe I can ask so-and-so if they will do this. Mm -hmm. or, That's what motivated me to reach out to you, George. Like, George, would you, <laughs> would you be interested in yeah. <laughs> honor roll? But you and I are all thank friends you. anyway, yeah. So no, but you know. thank you for inviting us on. And yes, this is important stuff, and this is critical to the way theater is right now, where it has been, and hopefully where it's going to go in a couple of years. Because you know, speaking as somebody who reads a lot of plays, a lot of the voices that I've heard have been altogether way too homogenous, mm. and reading all these quote to me new other voices that have not had the bullhorn or the bully pulpit or the proscenium um it's eminently fascinating Just, i have mm -hmm. yeah go on i have some statistics for you george okay hit uh, me. The, uh the lilies uh does a uh, biannual count uh called the count mm -hmm. and for example um American white women are published nationally, I'm sorry, produced nationally, now at 20.5%. That's up from 14% in the entire friggin' nation, right? Yeah. Only 20.5% of white women are being produced. And yeah. then for women of color, um, like me and Cheryl and Lucy, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, we went up to 6.1% from 3.4%. So <laughs> that's like not, over 90% of us who are not being uh, produced yeah. women. So, and you yeah. had asked earlier if we, um, what we were getting out of honor roll personally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to say that it's, for me, it's been more the opportunity to continue my activism in the American theater. And actually, I'm a little worried about that because <laughs> I don't have a lot of time to write, write my plays. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm so busy out on the battlefield, yeah. making a way for future for the women coming behind us. Mm -hmm. um, and I know Lucy and Cheryl will agree with me that, but the, the time that we spend in activism, you know, we, we may not see, we won't see parity in our lifetime, but we're taking the steps to make things improve for others coming behind us. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do feel that probably I need to be a little more selfish and <laughs> I just was accepted to 365 women. Um, hey, good for you, that's wonderful. Yes. 
Yeah. And so I have a whole year to write a, oh, yeah. write a play. And I'm like, yeah. when am I going to? Oh, play? I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do it now. Don't wait. Yeah. I've yeah. had to do it. Who, yeah. Yvette, um, I t- completely sympathize mm-hmm. with you because I am married to someone who is exactly like you. Oh. My, my <laughs> wife, Maura Stevens, is a remarkable playwright. She's really good. But her activism... Mm. Is something she can't put down to her. Yeah. It's, you you know how important it is yeah. because these are critical pressing issues, and mm-hmm. out of a group of twenty five, it's all going to fall to two or three people. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm not saying that's true for any all organizations, but for many of them, it tends and, to be true. Yeah, and she, like you, has very little time for writing. I mean, she's trying to write a couple of books right now, and. Mm. Oh my gosh, you know, I have to physically pull her away from the computer <laughs> and dig her fingernails out of the screen. Um, George, is she a member of Honor Roll? She's mm-hmm. never doing Honor Roll. Yes. Uh, well, I'm going to pass that on as soon as we're, as soon as we're off. Please. Love to have her, yes. especially since she's an activist. Uh-huh. Oh, she's an uber activist. Uh, talk, uh-huh. talk about she's the best education I've ever had. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio. This is episode number 139, March 2021. Our guests this month are Cheryl Davis, Yvette Heiliger, and Lucy Wong. These artists are members of The Honor Roll, an advocacy and action group of women plus playwrights and allies, all of whom are over 40 and whose goal is their rightful inclusion in theater. One thing I would like to say about this onset of COVID is that um, it's really um, encouraged us to write shorter things, monologues, mm-hmm. shorter mm-hmm. plays, because people can't really sit through an entire play on Zoom, yeah. you know, or they can, but the the shorter things seem to be more popular. So I have written shorter, mm-hmm. um, like monologue pieces, but in terms of writing a full length play, you know, yeah, uh, it's it's just been tough to to find the time to do that. It is. You just you just actually read my mind because that was the very next question on my list right <laughs> down here that I was because we can't do we can't do anything except, you know, can't ignore COVID-19. We have to yeah. talk about what it's doing to our profession mm-hmm. um, and it's changed everything completely. Mm-hmm. So how has it been for for each of you? I mean, how have you adapted to it? Besides writing shorter pieces, has your focus changed on what you're writing? Do you write for Zoom at all? I, mean, I know some people who won't write for Zoom. I mean, I'm not a. I love seeing stuff on Zoom, but I find it very hard to get my mind around to. Well, I can only do this if we're you know we're on Hollywood Squares or something like that. So the, the format's different. So how many, how has this affected each of your works? Well, I've actually been commissioned to write some short pieces on Zoom, including one short film musical. And we were asked to write it as a, a show that could be done on stage when, state, when theater opens back up. But in the meantime, what they did was they shot it in a, in a theater and they filmed it and then they streamed it. And it was fascinating just to wrap my mind around thinking about both in terms of the theatrical and the Zoom slash film state. Uh, So we've done that. And that film has actually uh, been in some short film festivals now. And it won Best Musical Dance Film of the Los Angeles Film Awards. So we're very excited about that piece. That's great. 
but it's a different it's a different mindset because you're thinking when you're thinking of something in Zoom, uh, you're thinking of something in like in a in a very limited box. It's not even the yeah. same as film because film you have an expanded screen area. Uh, but Zoom, you got to think about what can you see in this little box, the little Hollywood Squares or Brady Bunch box, and how do you, what sort of usually monologue can you do in that format? And like my first one was uh, actually a two-hander with two women who live together. So I said, okay, good. I can have two characters <laughs> in this one. <laughs> the rest have been monologues pretty much. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Lucy, me, how about you? Yeah. Um, yeah, Lucy here. Uh, for me, pandemic has made, I've written more monologues, more comedy. At first I, but I think people do need to laugh, you know? So yeah. at first I was afraid to do comedy, but we, we gotta, we gotta laugh. I need relief. There was just so mm. much at one point I had to limit my news. It was just everywhere I look, bad news here, bad news. Fortunately, I had one play that was accepted into the play, um, West Hollywood, uh, gay pride festival. And my director was very into zoom and he pushed some of the limits and it ignited my imagination on how we could do it. But I'm actually working on some full lens. Finally, um, 2020, I wrote more postcards and pages and I vowed in 2021, I would reverse that yeah. <laughs> now that, uh, now who's in power. And, um, so I have a, I wrote a play for a proposal about anti-bullying and, um, it made the semifinals. And so I have a couple of weeks to turn in a draft of the play that's worthy to advance the finals. And I got accepted into Crosstown Arts Residency and I'll be in Memphis next spring to work in a 425 seat theater. And it's just, wow. it, provided, awesome. it provided me with so much motivation. Like, all right, use, you know, use that opportunity to put something mm -hmm. up and don't, don't dilly, don't dally mm -hmm. and don't, Worry yeah. when I'm gonna get my vaccine. Because <laughs> <laughs> now we all have vaccine envy. That's the right. new normal. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's um, a new term on me, but it shouldn't be. Yeah, vaccine mm -hmm. envy. Mm -hmm. Yvette, how about you? Well, like I said, my my life has just revolved around yeah. basically activism and writing uh, monologues here and there. Yeah. But um, I just wanted to to say I have some more statistics for you if you want. <laughs> I love statistics. Come I hope on. they're cheerful, Yvette. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so in New York City, pre-COVID, the arts and culture industry in New York City employed almost half a million workers and generated over $120 billion, which is nearly 8% of the state's economy. Yeah. And so because of the coronavirus, um, the pandemic, it's just been, it's just really taken its toll on artists who have had some of the worst uh, unemployment numbers in the nation. So I mm -hmm. guess we're right around there with the other essential workers. I think we're essential workers. I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. But my point is that even though we're, we are hard hit, it doesn't mean we haven't stopped writing. We haven't mm -hmm. stopped creating, you know, people mm -hmm. are home quietly writing their plays, joining silent writing groups. Um, I'm also a New York city dramatist guild ambassador. Mm -hmm. You know, and I um, run one of the silent writing groups. So we're we're still quietly going about doing our work. And um, you know, uh, uh, Cuomo had said uh, had announced that they're going to have this uh, new 
New, New York Arts Revival mm -hmm. initiative here and also open stages here so that hopefully, you know, when the warmer weather hits that we can have some theater, some performing arts out of doors. And um, yeah. he's got a big, yeah. Everybody's got, dying to get back into the theater. Mm -hmm. They are. Well, I don't know that we'll be in the theater, but we'll yeah. be outdoors doing something. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it's just going to take all of us planning and putting forth a, a solid plan that can keep people safe, yes. even though we're out of doors watching theater. But, you know, I, I really am excited by this because um, I, I, when I, I visited Greece and I was working on a show there as an assistant to the director and to be out in the in the Greek, in the amphitheater, under the stars and doing the show. There was something about that that, I don't know, maybe we're returning back to our our roots in Western theater. I don't know, I, I, I get that feeling. Mm -hmm. What goes around um, comes around. I know, mm -hmm. right? But it's kind mm -hmm. of an exciting thing. Um, yes. Yeah. To, to think about that. Anyway. I, I think the pandemic for every negative thing it has affected us with, and there is no shortage of those, has caused us to rethink and reestimate not only how we do things, because that's that seems to be the big thing. Oh, I don't have a proscenium. We don't have to battle for armrests anymore, you know, because um, we can all be at home in our jammies watching, watching a Zoom play. Mm -hmm. But it's also affected the way we think about the way we interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And now that we're all isolated and we've taken the physical community out of things, uh, theater is gonna be very, very interesting in the next four or five years, because I think we're gonna see a lot more plays built for isolationists kind of venues. Mm -hmm. In a sense, I mean, we, we can't go through this without having it affect us somehow. I think either consciously or subconsciously, yeah. it's going to come out in pretty much everything for the next few years. And I, I agree with you, George. I think that it has really hit our imaginations in very different and differing ways. It's like you've got to come up with a different way to put things dramatically on Zoom. It's like I got uh, asked to write something for VR which I had never done before. And the idea, I'm not just writing for characters, actors who can't touch each other. I'm writing for characters who are icons, avatars on screen. Mm. And then they can pop in and pop out. And I just had to wrap my mind around how do I tell story mm. in a different kind of format? And I feel like it's also kind of like broken through in terms of like, now I look at things differently because you have to. Yeah. Once your eyes have been open to other opportunities, you kind of can't shut them again. Yeah, you can't unsee certain things. Yeah, I think it's I I'm gonna I'm maybe I'm a cockeyed optimist or something like that, but I think with everything we're going through, it can only help. It can only expand our arsenal, our mm -hmm. viewpoint. Um so it's I mean that remains to be seen. I've got a couple of more questions and I'm gonna let you all go. Um, but, uh, since you've been in this honor roll for eh, a couple of years now and you have 1100 people in there and you've been interacting and you've been doing all sorts of wonderful activism and activities and making your voices heard, thank God, finally, um, 
Each of you, please tell me one thing you've learned from your colleagues. I know it sounds like a test question, right? I know. Yeah, there'll be twenty <laughs> points on twenty points on the final exam for this one. Well, I I have to say this is Yvette again. I have to say that um, I'm used to being in spaces that are dominated or predominantly white, mm -hmm. and and I've adjusted, and you know I'm used to it. And so when I was invited to the honor roll meeting, I knew that was gonna be the case again. And of course we are, people, women of color are in the minority in honor roll as in every other, yeah. other organization. But I was so impressed with uh, uh, one of the women who was like, uh, we were talking about diversity and adding diversity to the honor roll. And she was like, well, diversity should be in everything we do. Which committee by itself, it should spread across everything. And I was kind of taken aback, mm. you know. And another a white woman was like, "Yeah, you know." And and I and I immediately felt, okay, this is a place for me, because that's half the battle when you have white people who get it and who are woke to some extent. I mean, we mm. all have our biases, but at least I knew I was walking into a place where half. That's half the battle if these women understand that, you know, uh, we have to work on diversity, we have to bring about more diversity. And before I had, I had quoted uh, statistics about uh, the number of arts workers in America that are unemployed, but you know that of those 2.7 million artists who are unemployed, the uh, Black Indigenous Women of Color and the LGBTQIA, did I get all those letters? In? Yes. Okay. <laughs> They're hit the hardest, you know, financially, logistically, yeah. emotionally, psychologically, you know. So I, I, I feel like we have to kind of wrap our arms around those women to the best that we can and welcome them into the fold um, yeah. as best we can. It's, it's hard to do because, you know, it, it's hard to walk into predominantly white spaces. It's hard to feel, oh, there's a place for me here. You know, yeah. it's yeah. almost as bad as with the vaccine, the, the mistrust mm -hmm. because of what's happened mm -hmm. to us nationally. But um, somehow we have to find a, a better way, a bit uh, to increase our efforts. You know, I'm so proud of our, our co-executive uh, executive committee leaders, Sarah Tuft and Jackie Reingold and Cindy Cooper. Like we're all on the same page about it. You know, that's nice. Um, yeah, that's nice, uh, I, I I think. It's important to give a shout out to the rest of the executive committee members, Jackie Reingold, who was with me in the beginning, a co-founder, Sarah Tuck, Cindy Cooper, Olga Humphrey, and of course the rest of us here. <laughs> and I just wanna, yeah, um, yeah, they, everybody's been a team. And I think that's the one lesson I've learned that we really do have power in numbers mm -hmm. and in community. Cause I think the pandemic when you're stuck at home and all by yourself, and especially when you're a minority or BIPOC, you feel very isolated and what, Yvette just said, you know, only 6% of us get produced and um, you can start to feel really down. And if the dominant culture is telling you, well, your voice doesn't matter or uh, you're not good enough or you're too old, it, if you don't reach out as a community to change that, you can really sink in that, you know, and that's not good either. Um, so I've, mm -hmm. I've found, 
Honorable has helped me speak out a little bit and know the difference between activism and um, complaining. Because I grew mm -hmm. up with tiger parents, you don't complain. Complaining <laughs> is for losers. <laughs> you do, do, do. And so I think, you know, Honorable, one of the things we try to do as executive committee is to do, you know, come up with action, actions, yeah. not, not just, okay, we're not produced, let's, let's cry, you know, no, we're not produced. So what can we do to move forward post pandemic so that we will have more opportunities and parity? That's right. And I feel like I, I'm just piling on by saying that the connection I feel to other similarly situated women has been really great. I mean, normally I hate the idea of a Zoom happy hour, but I had a great time <laughs> at our Zoom happy hour seeing all of these different faces and feeling a connection. Because I think as, as Yvette was saying, we're so used to being the only one in the room and the fact that you know that you are not, you should not be the only one in the room and that we have power to change that. We can help open the doors for others. I mean, I have done things where I will post something that I'm doing on another website and another Facebook page. And somebody from honor roll will say, you go girl, or somebody needs to hire this woman or something like that. And I feel, oh my God, I feel supported. I feel like there's really the saying is the a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. And I feel like we can do that for each other. And I feel like we, the women of women plus of honor roll are really getting into, we want to help all of us rise. And I think that's a great feeling. I think that's amazing. I I wish you nothing but absolute success. May your voices get louder. May your voices reach a hundred times more people. And may your writing hand never stop. <laughs> that's what we, I think that's what we do. Um, okay, I'm going to, uh, this has been wonderful. This is, oh my gosh, I wish we could do this for another hour. George, <laughs> um, may I say one more thing? Yes, of course you may. I I was so I I was so moved when um, President Biden signed the um, executive order to dismantle racism uh, across all the government agencies. Yeah, and and really holding people accountable to doing the work to to dismantle uh, systematic racism. The American theater has to do that too. I agree. You know, we, yeah. we, have, we have work to do in that area as well. And when he, when he signed that order, I felt like this man has taken, you know, his foot off my neck in mm. this country, mm. the foot off the neck of people of color in this country. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of work to be done you know, we're, we're celebrating now because we've made progress here in honor roll, but there's still a lot of work, work to do. And the, and the having allies in that uh, fight are so critical and so important, you yeah. know? You can't do it by um, yourself. You mm -hmm. can't, and yeah. you need everybody, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. No, 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 never, <laughs> hey, never get off your soapbox. Mm -hmm. you stop soaping, nobody hears your voice anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so before we wrap up, uh, please, one at a time, I'll start with Lucy. How do we find you? Because I know my listeners are going to want to know more about Honor Roll. Oh. They're going to know, want to know more about you as artists. How can we find you? And how can we find out more about you? Oh, that would be amazing. I am on NPX. I'm at, I do have a profile at Honor Roll uh, 
playwrights.org. And I'm on Twitter at Sensuous Gourmet and Instagram, The Sensuous Gourmet. And that's that's basically the best way to find me. Great. Cheryl? Uh, I have a Facebook page, Cheryl L. Davis Playwright. I also have a website, cldplay.com. And I am active on Twitter and Instagram as at Virgo Brain. At Virgo Brain, huh? Yes. Okay, I like that. <laughs> Yvette? I also have a profile on Honor Rolls, um, the Honor Rolls profile blog. I'm uh, at, on the New Play Exchange. I prefer that to the website now because I, I, I'm there more often and mm-hmm. my complete bio is there. And I'm on Twitter at, at Twin Business. Twin Business. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Sounds good. Again, thank you all so very, very much. Um, Honor Roll sounds fascinating. And I hope everybody out there immediately goes and joins. Well, those who are able to join. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you and, so much, George. Thank you so much, George. Anytime. Hey kids, thanks for listening to Onstage Offstage. Onstage Offstage is produced monthly and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on iTunes. If you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or work in a part of theater we haven't covered yet or know someone in the theater who would make really good chat, send us a note at info at onstageoffstage.org. Onstage Offstage believes in and advocates for a world where all people are free to live their lives as they wish, in peace and without fear. We believe in universal respect, diversity, and equality in all areas of life for all people, no matter what their nationality, race, religion, age, sexual status, or gender. Onstage Offstage will never promote or endorse those who seek to diminish others because of who they are. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again for listening, and please, kids, stay safe. Be careful for yourself and for those with whom we share this rock. And as always, happy theatering to all of you.